Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. Join us as we journey together through the book of 1 Peter in our current series entitled Living Hope. We pray that this message will encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. I was, uh, I was in the lobby uh, having awkward interactions as I do. You guys know about those. And I was in the lobby a few weeks ago and had a conversation with a, a young man that I recognized. I knew he'd been to church here a few times, but it's one of those deals where it's like, man, he's been too many times for me to introduce myself. I should probably already know his name. I can't remember if I met him yet or not, whatever. But he stopped by and we had the baby and he's, he made some kind of comment about his kiddos and, and, and that was that, right? So I still don't know his name. Well, then that night, one of our small groups, who's in a small group? Anybody in a small group? Make some noise. Awesome. Okay, one of our small groups decided to meet at Buffalo Wild Wings in Jesus' name. It was awesome. And, uh, and so there we are. We're at B-Dubs. And I noticed it's not our server, but a guy serving the table next to us, I think it's the same guy, right? And some of you have heard this story when I, on Easter. I was like, hey, where's the donuts? This anyway, that's a whole other thing I can tell you about later. But I often put myself out there and make myself look like an idiot because I care less about that than I do about forgetting someone or overlooking somebody or whatever. So I'm like, all the time I embarrass my wife in Walmart because I'm like, I think I know them. I'm talking to them. And she's like, why? What are you doing? But, but I saw him. And I'm like, I think that's him. And he walked by and he looked at us and there was nothing in his face that looked like he recognized us, but I still thought it was him. And so I, you know, I pulled a smooth move. I kind of waited till he was up at the counter and I was like, can I get it to go box? And now mind you, we're like two feet apart at this point. We're, we're right there. Now, uh, I didn't have my glasses on and I had a ball cap on and I was wearing shorts and stuff. It was a little more casual, right? But I'm like, okay, we're this close. I know this is the guy. And I said, do I know you from anywhere? And he looked, got a good look at me. And he went, no. <laughs> and I doubled down. I'm like, I know this is him. So I said, um, you, like, I'm like, are you sure? You know, I'm like, I said, do you go to church anywhere? And he looked at me and he went, oh, hey, how's it going? And I was expecting him to say, hey, I didn't recognize you without your glasses, or I didn't recognize you in a hat. Listen to what he said. He says, I didn't recognize you without your little microphone on. (laughs) I said, yeah, I don't wear it out too much, you know? Um, uh, Maybe I need to. But anyway, if by chance you've forgotten what I look like, I haven't got to preach in a month. I'm so excited to preach today. Um, Enjoyed Neighbors and Nations. Um, But I'm TJ. I'm the lead pastor here. Excited to have you. If you've got a Bible, um, find 1 Peter. 1 Peter. We're going to jump back into 1 Peter. Um, Enjoyed the last few Sundays. Enjoyed the little bit of a break that I got letting some other people preach. But I'm excited to preach. And I think, pretty sure, about to start, Lord willing, about to start the longest streak of consecutive Sundays I get to preach in about three, four years. Nothing, cha- nothing changes. I get to preach the next eight weeks. So consider yourselves warned, all right? Um, 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to be eventually. I do want to catch you up a little bit just in case you've slept in the last month or so or you are maybe here for the first time or listening for the first time. We started a series a couple months ago on 1 Peter. If you don't have one of these little fancy 
scripture journals that we have. I think there's six bucks on Amazon. Or if you're like, I don't know how to Amazon, let me know. I'll get you one. They're really handy for having the same translation that we're preaching through and then taking notes and stuff. They're nice little journals. It's just First and Second Peter and Jude in this little book. It's pretty cool. If you have one of those, turn to First Peter chapter 2. Before we talk about where we're headed, let's do just a little bit of review. We started this series, and we called it Living Hope. Kind of two reasons, kind of a little double meaning here. Peter uses this exact term. We've been born again to a living hope. Jesus is our living hope. We have this living hope. But then also, it's a bit of a a play on words for us that not only is Jesus alive and he's our hope and he's our living hope and we have this living hope, but also, what does it look like to live out hope? So if I said, you know, living healthy or I said living strong, you would understand what I mean. Well, I'm talking about living hope. How do we live out the hope that we have in Jesus. And so we started off the series and we talked about that and we talked about the Apostle Peter. Um, if you don't know, First Peter was written by Peter. And Peter was one of the original disciples, one of Jesus's 12 that he hand-selected. And beyond that, he was actually one of the three in the innermost circle of Jesus. We talked about all of his ups and downs, how relatable is Peter, right? He's one second, he's like doing awesome things for Jesus. Next second, Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan, right? It's a rough day when Jesus calls you Satan. Um, but we talked about all of his ups and downs. He denied Jesus at his trial and crucifixion. And then later on, though, he's, preach, he's reinstated by the risen Jesus. He's, he's uh, preaching on the day of Pentecost, the, the birth of the church. 3,000 people are saved, baptized, and added to the church. He does great things for God. The same guy who kind of cowardly hid and acted like he didn't know Jesus uh, was so confident and so strong in his faith that he would not deny Christ later and actually was murdered, was, was martyred for his faith. And so this is the guy who writes to us and, he, and writes to his original audience, and he writes to an audience that is scattered and suffering and, and being persecuted all over ancient Asia Minor, which we would know now modern-day Turkey, okay? So these these Christians, they're scattered, they're spread apart, and he's writing letters to them, and the letters are getting passed around, and people are reading them for encouragement. And Peter wrote to them, very concerned for them in a way that I think he would be concerned for us in this. People who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. People who have heard the gospel, people who've believed in Jesus, people who've even served him for some time, okay, are still at risk in times of pain and suffering of letting that pain become bigger than their belief or their faith, letting that pain, that crisis crush their faith and their hope that is in Christ. And so we have these Uh, words from Peter that are to encourage us that whatever we face, our faith would be secure. And we talked about how God chose us. He knows us. He grows us. He's letting us go through certain things. And yeah, we might face a crisis, but we have a choice whether that crisis will make us colder to God or closer to him. We talked about how lasting joy doesn't come from what's going on outside of us in our circumstances. It comes from what's going on inside of us and what Jesus is doing. We talked about how God buys ugly houses, like the old billboards used to say, and he builds us into something great. We're becoming these living stones, these living sacrifices as we live out hope. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, find verse 11. We are going to focus on two whole verses today. 
Um, but they're a gateway to the rest of the letter, and I promise you we are going to finish First Peter before uh, Vision Sunday at the end of August. There's about nine main thoughts that we're going to cover, not today, but in these last seven weeks, okay, of living hope. And uh, you, you golfers can call them the, the back nine, if you will, okay? Um, shout out to Sean. We kind of changed it up. So as we change, we're still in Living Hope. We're still in First Peter, but it's kind of got a new emphasis. And so we changed the colors up because you know you guys get bored. So now it's now it's darker. All right. <laughs> the latter half of this series um, is going to focus on a word that's become, I think, a cuss word in in America, in the world that we live in. Now, if you're listening on Facebook or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or somewhere, there's no need to turn it down for the kids. I'm not going to actually say a cuss word. The word that we're talking about that has become a very taboo word in our culture is this word, submit. Now, you're not going to find that word in the two verses we read today, but these two verses are going to set us up for this huge theme of submission that may be one of the hardest truths in the Bible to grapple with. There are some things in the Bible that are harder to understand, but I don't know if there's anything in the Bible that's harder to do than this word submit. We're Americans. We do what we want, right? That's how we feel. We're our own person. We have our own beliefs, our own whatever, and we want to do whatever we want to do. We certainly don't want anybody else telling us what to do. It's hard enough if God tells us what to do, but if somebody above us, thinks they're above us and tells us what to do, especially if they're wrong, right, or we know better than them, we're supposed to just submit to that? That's, that's difficult. And so this word submit, it's not a cuss word, it's not a bad word, but it, it's been kind of taken out of context in two different ways. So one, we're like very individualized, right? Western society, we are very much about me, myself, and I, and so we don't like this idea of submission at all. But then also, it's become a bad word for some good reasons, because there's been some bad stuff done with this word in the name of this word. So some of you, when you hear the word submit, you have a picture of a husband or a father or, or, or whatever that used that word to lord over his children or his wife, right? You've seen this idea of submission, and it's been this oppressive thing. And I just want to tell you this morning, we're going to be looking at all different areas of life that, that, that Peter calls us to submission in over the next six or seven weeks. And biblical submission is not a dirty word. It is a beautiful, difficult, Christ-like thing. Putting yourself under God and putting yourself under his word and even putting yourself under other people sometimes, considering others greater than yourselves and humbling yourself. This can be an awesome thing. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. You might as well underline, circle, star, whatever you got to do, the first word. Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you, that people are going to talk about you, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. My title this morning is Submit Your Identity. Submit your identity. Hear Peter speak to us today. 
God has done something significant. God has done something miraculous for you through the person and work of Jesus Christ. He has done something huge. He has made outsiders insiders. If you look a couple verses earlier, he said, once you were not a people, now you're a people. Once you hadn't received mercy, now you've received mercy. Peter would say to us, if you will then submit to Jesus and his word and his way of living, it's going to bless you, no doubt. It's going to change your life, but it won't just bless you. You are going to live such a unique and such a countercultural life, the world will not be able to help but notice. And some are going to hate it, some are going to criticize it, but other people are going to be drawn in by it, and it can make a huge impact. There could be other people in the family of God because of how you live your life, Peter says. So let's break it down. I already told you to circle this word, beloved. Is it okay if we study the Bible together today? Is that okay? I got three people said yes. We'll see how this goes. Beloved. I don't think there's a word that could better sum up all that Peter has been saying to these Gentile Christians. They are chosen and loved by God. This is not a nickname. It's not a pet name. It's not something cool to say. Peter is treating this with seriousness. Where does our identity start? Where should our identity start? Where should we find out who we are? Where should we find out what makes us valuable? Peter would say right here, God loves you. Now, if you've slipped into thinking that your identity is about uh, your country or your skin color or your job and your performance or your military service or your political affiliation or your kids or whatever, don't feel alone. (laughs) I've done it. We've all done it. We've all got our worth tied up in stuff that we do and stuff that we think about, sometimes even things we didn't even choose. But, but listen, if you've got your identity primarily in any of those areas, you've missed it. Peter tells us, listen, that's, that's not who you are first and foremost. You might be American. You might be white, black, purple, whatever. But first and foremost, you are beloved. You are loved by God. How insane is that? N- not just some like idea, the maker of heaven and earth loves you. He's not tolerating you. He's not putting up with you. He didn't inherit you. He's not stuck with you. He's not disappointed in you. He loves you. Like he's not impressed by the Grand Canyon as much as he is impressed when he looks at his prized possession that he paid the ultimate price for you and me. So that's where we start. That's where our identity ought to start. That's who we are. That's where our worth, our value comes from. I am not just my accomplishments. I am not just my family. I am not my skin color. I am not my my preferences. I am not the things I'm drawn to. First and foremost, I am loved by God. This this forms everything else. And then he says, beloved, I am. I urge you, this is serious. And then he gives them two more words that kind of shape their identity. We don't use these words a lot. He says sojourners and exiles, which kind of, you might remember from the beginning of the letter, we talked about being exiles. We are chosen by God. We are not from here. 
We might have been born here, but we are not just citizens of earth. We are citizens of heaven. We, are, we belong to a different country. We have different types of identities, but they're not primary. The earth is not our home. We are passers through. We have a different king. And so, Peter would say, you're loved by God, but you're passers through. You're, you're hitchhikers. You're not staying here. So don't be surprised if you don't always fit in. Don't get bent out of shape if you're avoided or criticized or you feel like a misfit. You are a misfit on this planet where people are making this earth their home and they're storing up all their treasure on earth. You're not always going to fit in with that. You're exiles. You're outsiders. You're, Jesus said you're in the world, not of it. You know, there's a big difference in house renters and homeowners. A huge difference. Some of you guys might have rental property, or maybe you're renting yourself. If you own a home, you're going to do anything you can, anything you can afford to improve the home. That's your home. You want to make it great. And even if you're like, hey, you know what? We don't have to do this, but it's going to help. It's a good market right now. It's going to help the resale value, whatever, right? You're going to do everything you can to make your home comfortable, to make it great. If you're a renter, like you might put a big TV in there, Right? You might put some nice appliances in the kitchen or whatever that are yours that you're taking with you when you leave, but you're not knocking down walls and changes. You're renting. This is temporary, right? And Peter would say to us, hey, listen, don't get too attached. We're not staying here forever. We are, we are passers through. There's a great story of a missionary, a career missionary, 25 years, I think, on the continent of Africa, Samuel Morrison. And uh, Samuel was going through some health problems. He, ha- he had some health challenges. And so he got on a ship instead of a plane. It was a long time ago. He got on a ship and he sailed home to the United States. It just so happened that the ship that he boarded and, and, and that, that went from Africa to New York City, it just so happened that that ship also had a pretty significant uh, passenger by the name of Teddy Roosevelt. Okay, so Teddy had been on a three-week big game hunt. If you look up Teddy Roosevelt, he's kind of known for big game hunting. And so he, he goes on a hunting trip for three weeks. He comes back to New York. As they pull into the harbor, it is a circus. There are banners. There's live music. There's bands. There's balloons. People are going nuts to welcome the president back into the country. And Samuel just kind of felt in his heart, like, man, as he slipped through the crowd, nobody noticed him, nobody knew his name, nobody gave him a balloon, nobody did anything for him. He kind of thought to himself, Lord, I mean, I've given 25 years to Africa, I'm sick, nobody even notices me. He went on a hunting trip, and he got a parade. He just kind of felt that discontentment in his heart, but then he felt the voice of the Lord speak to him. You know, just that little tug, that little whisper. You kind of know that God's speaking to you. It's not an audible thing. You just kind of hear it. And he felt the Spirit say to him, oh, but my dear child, you're not home yet. You shouldn't expect that reception yet. This is not your home. And so Peter, similarly, is going to tell us, look, don't be surprised when they don't throw a parade for you. Okay? Don't be surprised when you're not well received. This is not your home. This is not your final destination. There's coming a day 
when we're going to meet him face to face. There's coming a pretty good reception. (laughs) But it's not here. It's not right now. Continue to look with me um, at at this passage. Peter encourages them that they are loved by God. They have a heavenly home. They aren't there yet. They're sojourners. They're traveling through. And he starts here because we have to start with our identity. We have to start with our mindset, how we view ourselves in him, how we view him, how we view ourselves before we get to our behavior. We have to start there because what he's going to do next, what he's going to tell us next is challenging. Look at what he says. Beloved, your sojourners, your exiles, I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul and keep your conduct honorable. Knowing who you are is your best shot when certain temptations come. It's not going to be able for you, you're not going to be able to just drum up in your willpower an ability to not do something that you want to do unless you know who you are and you know that doesn't match up with who you are. You know, my daughter um, is three and a half. She's a three-nager. And she has proven to me the idea that we are born into sin, <laughs> that we are born sinners. Because she says and does, I mean, she's, she's amazing, she's brilliant, I love her. But she does some stuff that I'm like, where in the world did that come from? And, and I, I am no means like a perfect dad. I, I, I don't always handle this right, but I try when I have the presence of mind because, you know, I'm her dad, but I'm her pastor, right? And I don't mean that because, like, I'm a pastor. I mean that because I'm her dad. If you're, if you're a parent, you're pastoring your kids. You're raising them to know Jesus. And so when she does something, you know, when she makes a bad choice, we like to call them bad choices, I try to tell her, Staley, Ro, what are you doing? That's not who you are. You're a sweet girl. You're a kind girl. You're nice. You're, you don't act like this. This isn't who you are. Why do I do this? Because I, I, I am not focused only on her behavior. I want her to not just know what's right or wrong to do. I want her to know who she is because I love her. <laughs> I'm not just the fun police, you know? I was, I was at a birthday party yesterday at a, at a swimming pool. And I mentioned to the dad of the party, I said, Trey, it must stink to be the lifeguard, right? Like you are literally the fun police. The lifeguard doesn't get to say anything encouraging, anything uplifting. Like you never hear a lifeguard blow a whistle and be like, great job staying off the ropes. Nice walking, guys. Like all they do, boop, you know, get off the rope. Boop, don't run. I can't blow a whistle. I can't whistle. But, you know, all they do is bark out negative behavior. It's their job. And we're grateful for them, right? Because they're up there, they see us, they could save us at any given moment, but for the most part, they're there to tell us all the wrong stuff we're doing. And I thought to myself in the pool, I thought, man, how often do I see God that way? Like he's up there, he sees me, I'm glad he sees me, I know he could save me. But how often do I think he's mainly just noticing all the mistakes I make. That's not our God. That's not who our God is. That's not how, that's not how we, we should view him. It's not how I want my daughter to view him or me. 
right? I want her to know who she is. Peter wants us to know who we are. That is how this works from the inside out. We've said it before. Behavior is fruit. It's not the root. That's not where the problems start. They start in our hearts. They start in our thoughts. They start, that's where the war is fought first, inside of us. And we want to live a godly life on the inside. We want to know who we are. We want to have godly thoughts and thinking. We want to have a godly worldview. And then that will spill over into our behavior and the outside. Then we can abstain from old passions. Then we can say no. Then we can avoid certain things. And listen, this is not a fight in the playground. This is not a little skirmish. This ain't even five, a five-minute round with Conor McGregor. Poor Conor. This is a war, an ongoing, lifelong siege against you. And what's fascinating is, Peter says, abstain from these passions that I would think he would say that wage war against your body, right? If I do these different things, if I give into this different stuff, it's going to hurt me physically. Or, or I would even say, these things wage war against your reputation. If you do all this stuff, it's going to hurt, you know, what people think of you. But notice, he connects fleshly, outward desires. He connects the things that we do. He says, these things wage war against your soul. Your soul. There's a spiritual part of you that we don't see and an enemy that is after that part of you. So Peter says, you got to know who you are to be able to be in that fight. Now, some might say, well, what, what are the passions of the flesh? I can't give you an exhaustive list, but there's a pretty good list. In Galatians 5, I think it's a little too long of a list. It's uncomfortably long. It says the works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. You know what they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, etc. Paul says you know what the work of the flesh is. I warn you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he says, in other words, you know what not to do. But a few verses earlier, verse 16, he said, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do we not give into that stuff? We walk a different path. We walk with different motivations. We walk in a different, a new identity. We can be people who walk by the Spirit instead of the flesh. Can we do that perfectly? Probably not. Can we do it victoriously? Absolutely. There are things that enter our lives through our eyes, our hearts, our ears. Peter says, man, be careful with this stuff. Uh, Paraphrase it this way. Peter says, watch how you live because other people Watch how you live. Like, this isn't just about honoring God. This is about other people, too. Boy, is this true. People are watching. You have an audience. Staley one day said, um, and I don't know, like, who knows? I don't know what words you allow in your house or don't allow or whatever. But one day she did something, and she's three, and she said, oh, my gosh. And I don't know. I just like, uh, we don't say, oh, my gosh. We say, oh, goodness, or, oh, you know, whatever. I made up something. Y'all, I didn't realize how much I say, oh my gosh, but I have a new officer in my house. You could be watching the Super Bowl and somebody in the crowd could say, oh my gosh, and she would hear it five times a day. Daddy, you said, oh my gosh. 
you're right, honey, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner in need of repentance. I, forgive me, I'm a work in progress. I won't do it again. Eight minutes later, changing a diaper. Oh my gosh. Daddy, you said, oh my gosh. Right? She's watching. She's listening. But, but listen, with or without small children, you have an audience. You have people that are watching your life. So watch how you live because they're watching how you live. Some people are studying you and they expect you to be just like every other Christian they've come across. They want you to be, honestly. It's more convenient. They expect you to fail. They're going to accuse you. Oh, you're supposed to be a Christian. You did this, that, right? And they might even have unrealistic expectations, like you're going to never get mad. You're never going to have a bad day, whatever. But Peter doesn't let us off the hook. He says, look, live a life where even the haters, even the people who accuse you, if they watch your life long enough, the accusations can't stick. Live a life where people go, oh, there's something different about Damon. That's, I don't know. And people around would go, no, 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 you're talking about Jordan? That ain't ain't what Jordan's like. I know better than that. Haley, no, not her. Live that kind of of life. Live a life that makes it easy for other people to believe in Jesus. Man, what a great thing that would be. We talked about this um, in the growth track. Nate, if you want to join me. We talked about this in the growth track. If we were made just to worship God, we'd be in heaven already, right? If that was all there is to it, we just, let's just cut this out. Let's go. We must be here for something else. We must be here for some type of mission, You know what our mission is, to reach people with the hope-filled message of Jesus Christ. Listen, one of the best ways to reach people with the hope-filled message of Jesus Christ is for you to live a hope-filled life in front of people and show them who Jesus is. People notice, even people who speak against you. And their odds of seeing Jesus go up when you live a life that is honorable and when you abstain, when you abstain. Abstain from what? Abstain from what? Well, that's up to you, right? And the word of God. But, but, but that's the kind of living that the world notices is people who are willing to tell themselves no. People who can say, no, I'm not coming. No, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm coming, but I'm not going to do that. People who refrain. People who don't jump into the gossip. People who resist. Listen to me. Why would the people around you who don't know Jesus want to know Jesus if we live exactly like they live? If there's nothing to change into, why change? Why would I give up my weekend? Why would I give up Sunday morning? I could be at the river. I could be at the golf course. Why would I give that up to be just like you and you're already just like me? But if there's something worth changing into, and there is, let's take that seriously. Every choice that we make is shaping how our audience sees God, how people see God. People are learning what they know about God from you. And some people will will hate you, criticize you, make fun of you, doubt you. That's okay. Remember, this is temporary. You're in exile. Remember you're loved. He's with you. I, I can resist because I've got something better ahead of me. But people are looking. And listen, 
not everyone's going to be pleased with it, but you have this knowledge. I am his beloved. I am an exile. This world is not my home. He has a home for me. And I can say no to stuff that's right in front of me because I got something better I'm looking forward to. Some of you guys, when you, got, you know you got a real good meal coming, right? Somebody's like, hey, you want, you want a Slim Jim? You know? And you're like, no, bro, I'm saving room, right? You can live your life in such a way that you can abstain from all the stuff you used to do and all the stuff everybody else does, you could say no to that because you have something better ahead of you. Teddy Roosevelt can keep his balloons, right? You have a better reception coming. So if you'd bow your heads with me for a moment. May you live a life where, hey, you know what? People might hate you, but it won't be because you live just like them and call yourself a Christian. It won't be because you're, you're self-righteous and you're easy to accuse and, and you're a troll, of some, a Christian troll. Like there's no, there's no reward in being an annoying Christian. But if you are faithful and you are different and you're submitting your life to God and your identity to God, that, that might result in some people being uncomfortable. But if they watch your life long enough, even if they don't admit it, may they see that you love God and that you love them. Peter would say to us this morning, God's love for us is greater than anything else this world has to offer, and other people seeing that he loves them too through your life is greater than anything else you could accomplish in this world. So may you submit your life, submit your identity to him. New thinking, a new way of talking, a new way of living, tethered not to earth but to heaven God is not the fun police okay he loves you but people are watching so take it seriously and in the coming weeks we're going to see there's no area that this new identity does not and this this idea of submission it doesn't touch we're going to say we're going to see some really interesting stuff about your boss and your spouse and your government and your suffering and your story your shyness all we're going to look at all of that in first peter but if you won't hear peter's words and you won't hear my words listen to what jesus said matthew 5 verse 16 he said let your light shine before others live a life that shines before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven peter said on the day of visitation on the day he returns on the day he judges may there be lots of people who come to jesus not trembling in fear and condemnation but rejoicing and running to a Jesus they know because they watched how you lived. Maybe this morning you've forgotten who you are. Maybe you've not known or not believed that you are actually loved by God right where you are. That you don't have to do anything to accomplish that love. Maybe you've gotten too attached to the world, you've forgotten you're in exile and, and the passions of your flesh have, have left you feeling shame and con condemned. Today, you can run not to just a lifeguard. You can run into the arms of a loving father that will look at you and tell you, I don't know what you were thinking. I don't know what you were doing. That's not who you are. I love you. He's not blowing a whistle. He's welcoming you. Stand with me if you would across this room. Still maybe just a moment of privacy. I have some leaders slipping to the back right now. 
that want to pray with you. Whether you're making a decision for Christ for the first time or you're recommitting your life or you're just facing some stuff and you want to get it off your chest or you need prayer for healing or, or whatever, they want to talk with you. They want to pray with you. But even if you won't go to them, I encourage you, respond outwardly somehow to what God is doing inwardly. If that means kneeling at your seat, if that means coming to one of these altars, if that means taking the hand of a person next to you and praying with them, respond somehow to this fact, this news, that that you have a new identity in Christ. He loves you. You are his beloved, and you can live a different life with that knowledge and that mindset. Jesus, would you meet us in this place? Change us from the inside out, we pray in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.